0: Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmeticscom thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics C-A-U-S E M E-T-I-C-S dot thrive for 20% off your first order.
1: table read podcast where great stories finally get their chance to shine
2: you're listening to muses and stuff this is the podcast that's all about the dolls they were the groupies the wives the girlfriends and the muses who played such a huge role in rock and roll history by simply being themselves
3: They were sweet, sexy, brave, and powerful. They went after what and who they wanted, and they made no apologies. We are your hosts, Shanti and Lynx.
2: Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Electrified Porcupine. Electrified Porcupine is a pretty kick-ass website where you can go and read and learn all about music, gaming, wrestling, retro, TV, movies, cartoons, and collectible toys. So go to electrifiedporcupine.com and have a look around. See what you like. Here we are for another episode of Muses and Stuff. Hi, Lynx. Hey, how's it going? Um, it's going great. I'm so happy to be sitting here with you. Me too. To record this episode that I have been working hard on for quite some time now.
3: Yes, Yes. well, this woman certainly deserves the proper amount of attention, so I'm really excited to hear about her. I I only know broad
2: strokes, so... Okay, well, we're going to get into it, and the wonderful, amazing, amazing person that we're talking about is Yoko Ono. Yes, Yes. finally getting
3: to this episode.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I remember being um, at Abbey Road Studios this summer and being in the little gift shop And Mm -hmm. I kind of overheard somebody talking a little bit of, like, throwing a little bit of shade at Yoko. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember just kind of talking to the guy that was working at the front desk and being like, I'm going to be addressing this. (laughs) (laughs) Although it's taking me longer to get there. I don't know. It's, you know, um, not that I've been putting it off, but it's just like... I started this book when I was traveling, Mm -hmm. I brought it with me. And so I almost was reading it for kind of months. Um, And I made the mistake and I'm not doing this again, because this is how I've been doing it. And I'm not doing it anymore. I'm taking a page from your book. And I usually read a book, Mm -hmm. put notes in it. Yeah, come back to it, write out the notes. Yeah, I can't do that. Well, it takes a super long amount of time. Yeah. But the thing is is that I want to enjoy the book fully as I go I, through it.
3: I totally understand cuz I'm the same way. It's it's annoying to stop every time you need to take a note and like write it down, but in the end it is easier and you don't miss out on little things that, you know, yeah. you can't put I mean otherwise you're just putting notes in like every page. Well that's exactly
2: what ended up happening. <laughs> yeah. My friend Henny ended up borrowing the book when we were in Edinburgh and she's like, Sean, do you have a page marker in every on every single page? Yeah. And I went, like, Yeah, I know, I, know. I <laughs> exactly. just need to reread it, basically. Yeah. Um so I so I did. Uh, um but also I just wanted to make sure that I did this relationship justice. Do you know what I mean? For sure. Um because Yoko Ono is one of the most magnificent humans on this earth, and in a way, she has been vilified as the woman who broke up the Beatles, which, as we know, is not true. It's ridiculous. I mean, okay, yes, but not in a bad way.
3: No. It's John who made those decisions. Just because she was in his life at that time doesn't mean that she was, you know, influencing him in some crazy way
2: and um, everyone just
3: wants to blame the women yeah
2: so i read something or saw something and it made a lot of sense to me um you know john lennon was walking down the street one day and somebody yelled at him when are the beatles gonna get back together and he yelled back when are you gonna go back to high school (laughs) (laughs) like things come to an end yeah you have to grow up and you have to move on there were numerous factors contributing um to the Beatles end as much as George was searching for life's meaning every member of the band got, were getting so huge and powerful individually and um, you know, can't forget the death of Brian Epstein.
3: Yeah, absolutely. There was many deciding factors in them splitting up and uh, it's a good thing they did too, because otherwise we would have missed out on a lot of other music that they made. It was just, it was time though. I can understand at the time being, upset about it for sure but yes all things must pass
2: (laughs) you got that right (laughs) (laughs) all things must pass away it's been a very comforting (laughs) album to me lately oh yeah so speaking of listening to albums i listened to johnny nyogo's albums um his solo stuff her solo stuff and uh, it really came together for me extra hard when I saw the Beatles story in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so nice. I was there with my friend Max. And uh, it, we took two hours to go through the whole thing. Um, right from the beginning, they had a recreation of the cavern. And then the very last room of the tour was the right white room with like the recreation of the white piano. And it was so emotional and I just stood at that last room and just Max just held me and I cried it was beautiful um but it was really moving the whole thing like reading about them listening to their music and really just feeling the essence of their love and connection because it was 100% cosmic it was hmm
3: And it sort of feels cosmic that we're recording this today because Thanks it, for reminding me. Yes. It's John Lennon's birthday. It's uh October ninth. Yeah. And Sean Lennon's birthday.
2: Uh yeah. Which is crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. So John Lennon was born October ninth, nineteen forty in Liverpool. Mm hmm. And um Sean was born in nineteen seventy five, I believe. Um and also, in on this day in 2007, yep. Yoko had put up the Imagine Peace Tower. Mm-hmm. And so this tower um, was in honor of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just got Imagine Peace in 24 different languages. It's got... million messages of peace that yoko had collected so yoko ono is like this tower she is this flame that keeps burning Mm -hmm. for john and for sean and she has made it her life mission to spread the message of peace yes and um She's got one of the best social media presences. Yeah, so inspiring.
3: Every day she puts out this a little piece of wisdom and makes you think for a while. And
2: oh, she's my she's our most I think retweeted person
3: for sure, for sure.
2: <sighs> yep, and she's got a really interesting backstory, which I can't wait to tell you about. Yes. Um, now, when uh, yeah. So somebody, um, TJ, was giving me a hard time about John Lennon when I was saying I cannot wait to tell the story about this man and this woman. He was like, "But don't you?" (laughs) Sorry to me to throw you under the bus, bud. But uh, he's like, "Wasn't John Lennon like a wife of an asshole? Yes, an asshole. And how can you um, be you know?" And it's like, you know, he was. John Lennon and Yoko Ono were both like children of war. Mm -hmm. And John had a lot of things go on with his father leaving and his mother dying really early that he had. And plus the environment and the time that he grew up in. Yeah. I'm not um, giving him any like excuses Mm -hmm. or anything like that. But. That stuff turns into, if you don't deal with it, turns yep. into huge time rage.
3: And, and unfortunately, it was Cynthia who yes. he was with like before he was sort of ready to begin even trying to deal with those issues. So she definitely got a John that wasn't yeah. the easiest to be around
2: yeah and it was with Yoko that John confronted this side of himself where he was able to exercise the explicable pain mm-hmm. um that he had long harbored within because of the direction from the rejection from his mother when he was six years old so I'm most fascinated like I am fascinated with that, but I'm also very fascinated with the man who greeted journalists in bed and who with Yoko sent acorns to world leaders um to grow two oak trees for world peace, right? Yeah. So they have a poetic, romantic Yeah, story. and he definitely and- tried
3: to better himself, mm-hmm. o- o- you know, the older he got, so.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, so. And he
3: still inspired a lot of positivity in the world, so it's okay to, you know, admire someone for certain things and not so much for others.
2: yeah. I took a lot of my information from the book, Days That I'll Remember, Spending Time with John Lennon and Yoko Ono, that was written by Jonathan Cott. It was amazing. It was really, really fabulous. I get into it pretty thoroughly, but I would definitely encourage other people to go ahead, pick it up for themselves. Um, and I'm just going to start off with one thing that he says about uh, John and Yoko before we get into um, you know, Yoko's Yoko story. story. Both of them joyfully embraced their roles as holy fools, as the Bible said, she, his pupil, paramour, wife, and then after their enforced parting, and Abbess of covenant. so. He says Yoko still has her uncomprehending and abusive detractors but those of her admirers who have followed her more than 50 year career know that what is rightfully due to her is not only the offering of compassion to a grieving widow but also the recognition of her extraordinary accomplishments as a painter, sculptor, p- photographer, filmmaker, poet, video artist, composer, singer-songwriter, pioneer of conceptual and performance art and peace activist. Wow. Yeah. She's worked with many musicians. Um, She's read an ode to peace at the opening ceremony for the 2006 Winter Olympic Games. And then, as I said, the memorial um, for John, the Imagine Peace Tower, Mm -hmm. which is in Iceland. Um, No. Yeah. 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 If you think
3: Yoko Ono was just a wife or... You know, a tag along or whatever crazy thing you might be thinking—that's just because you're misinformed.
2: But we're going to inform you. Yes. Okay. Born February eighteenth, nineteen thirty-three. Today, Yoko Ono is eighty-three years old. She can claim a lineage purporting to go back to a nineteen a ninth century Japanese emperor on her dad's side. Her dad was a banker and an established classical pianist, and she was born in Tokyo, Japan, and was the eldest of three children. They were a pretty well-to-do family. Yeah. Um, uh, Her, she said that her dad was away often on business trips, and her mom was often socializing with friends in Tokyo.
3: I think I read somewhere that um, her family was like one of the fourth or fifth wealthiest. Yeah. Of, uh,
2: of that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her, her family moved to New York in 1940 and then back to Japan a year later. Um, so she, like I said a little bit earlier, she'd been a war child surviving the firebombing of Tokyo at the end of World War II. She felt very lonely and very emotionally deprived as a child. So when it came time to do some kind of emotional therapy with John, she also had quite a, uh, a, an amount of things to work out mm-hmm. herself. Her parents were strict, and she felt like they were trying to shape her into some kind of live doll. Um, She had a guilt complex about existing and wanted to disappear. Oh, man. Their house was located on a hill behind the grounds of the Imperial Palace and had a nice view of the city. She had several maids and tutors, one who read her the Bible, one who taught her about Buddhism. She got piano lessons, but every meal that she had, she would eat alone. Um, And the only person that would be there would be her tutor who just watched her Mm. silently. It's interesting. um, Her and John
3: both have sort of the absent parent kind of thing happening there. Mm hmm. Mm hmm
2: um things went really bad for her family when she was uh 12 years old and they lost everything they had to go down to an underground bunker her dad was imprisoned in a chinese-run prison camp and so her and her mother and siblings took refuge in a rural village where they sold their belongings out of a wheelbarrow wow Um, She was teased by kids for being a westernized city girl and found solace in the sky and looking up at the clouds.
3: That's definitely prevalent in her work.
2: Yeah, clouds became a very important part of her and John's um, life and connection Mm -hmm. and still to this day, she talks a lot about the sky. After the war, she attended an elite school um, where she had classmates who included Emperor uh, Hiroshito's two sons, as well as the internationally acclaimed novelist Yushio Mishima, who later became a pop star in Japan who would be like uh, an equivalent to Mick Jagger. <laughs> Um, she graduated in 1951 and was the first female ever to be accepted as a philosophy student at its associated uh, Gakushion University, but dropped out after two semesters. That's Go- pretty cool. Go Yoko, yeah. Go-yoko. When she was 19, she joined her family in New York where her dad was working in a bank and enrolled at Sarah Lawrence. Awesome. There, she wrote music, poetry, and painted, but none of it thrilled her. That's also when she created her match piece when she light a match and just watch it go out. Mm. So I think she was very depressed at that time. After three years, she left university, moved to Manhattan, and eloped, eloped with a young Japanese composer. They were married for six years and spent much of that time apart, but remained artistic collaborators. She said that there was a lot of pressure, intellectual, social, and academic, and it was uh, and bourgeois, and that she had to rebel from it. And thinking back on it, John had a similar, a similar feeling when it came to art school. So he would say mm-hmm. things like, um, you know, the people walking around with art on their pants, like, you know, paint all over their jeans, but nobody was a real artist. Art school's an interesting thing, just teaching art in general, since
3: it's so subjective, I can see how to some artists, it can be very stifling to try to like go to school for that.
2: Yeah. So he said that it was good for drink, for the drink and the women. But other than that, it didn't really do much for him. Um, Yoko ended up writing Grapefruit and she says that it was a cure for myself, but I didn't know it. It was like saying, please accept me. I am mad. So Grapefruit is the one that has all of the little instruction pieces, like breathe, okay. live, yep. feel. Yeah, I actually ordered it. Cool. It's in the mail because you can't find it anywhere. Like you can't like get in a library. Yeah, so. It's on its way. Um, she rented a loft, a baby grand piano, and had concert loft parties, which fe- featured a roster of the avant-garde Hall of Fame. During her first solo art exhibit in July of 1961, she thought it was going to be amazing. She even wore a dress. Five people showed up to it. Well, it shows
3: you you can't be discouraged by things like that.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obviously, things got better. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, she wrote a bunch of she made a film called fly um you know which one that is with the it's just a movie with um like a fly stopping on the body of a naked woman um and i could go on but it would take me all day long to talk about all the things that she's done but if people are curious you can check out a book called yes yoko ono which uh is a thorough collection of all of her stuff from the 60s to the 2000s um yeah, so she was a real badass, and she made super awesome art before she even met John. Um, she like even before meeting him, she gave a lecture at uh, the destruction and oh sorry, of the destruction and art symposium, and spoke about the poetic relations between creation and destruction, and presented dozens of her pieces, such as Shadow Piece, where she traced the outline of twenty participants on a long sheet of cloth. Laid over a strip of land, um, which was supposed to be like land bombed during the World War II and was littered with debris. So it was resonating reference to the imprint of vaporized bodies left on the sidewalks of Hiroshima. Um, and then she also did cut piece where she sat motionless on stage and invited members of the audience to cut off her clothing with scissors. I remember that. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, Peaches recreated it in 2015. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Yoko was already doing these really yeah, she was an artist yep yeah. intense pieces of art, um and she was the only woman there to prefer to perform her own events, mm. so John famously called her the most famous unknown artist, yes,
3: and they kind of met through her art, right, yep,, yeah.
2: um, they met um. Yeah, at one of her openings, and even before he had met her, he had been experimenting in his home studio with avant-garde techniques such as techniques such as playing tapes backwards and altering speeds. So it was like no no surprise that these clouds yes. were to exactly. eventually merged together. Um, Yoko was greeted with an outpouring of race hatred and anti-female malice, obviously, when she got together with John. Um, But she she did say to Playboy's journalist, David Sheff, With all of the energy that was focused on me, it was transformed into a fantastic energy. It was supporting me. If you are centered and you can transform all this energy that comes in, it will help you. If you believe it is going to kill you... It will kill you. Mm -hmm. Just turn all that into something positive. Mm -hmm. John and Yoko met on November 8th, 1966, when John heard about some amazing woman artist who was having her first solo show in London. John showed up at the gallery the night before the official opening and was really impressed by what he saw. So this included an apple, which cost 200 quid to watch decompose. Wow! So he just got it. They were introduced, and neither knew who the other one was, really. He was introduced as the millionaire, and she just handed him a card that said, breathe. (laughs) So... She noticed that when he did this, he was paying real attention and he breathed out onto her. And it was kind of a flirty way that he did this. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) There was a white painted wood panel with an attached hammer. And John wanted to hammer a nail in, but she wouldn't let him Because the opening wasn't until the next next day, so he came early. So the guy who introduced them, John Dunbar, tried to convince her to let him because he was the millionaire who might buy it. So she said that he could do it for five shillings. And John said, well, I'll give you an imaginary five shillings and I'll hammer an imaginary nail in. And then that's when they really met. I see. Um, Another piece that she really got him... um, was the one that you had to climb a ladder and look in through a looking glass to the roof to read a word. And when you look up into the ladder and you look into the looking glass, the word was yes. Okay. So this word meant a lot to John. um, And because he was still married to Cynthia at this time and Yoko to her second husband, filmmaker Anthony Cox, that was the time for them to leave their marriages for each other. So they were getting a sort of message of yes, this is the time. I see. And just
3: because the name rung a bell, John Dunbar was with Marion Faithful. Oh that's so, why it was familiar. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if you want to hear about that, just check out her mm-hmm. past episode.
2: <laughs> <gasps> Everyone's connected. Yeah, we sure are in this rock and roll world. So they saw each other at a party uh, one more time after that. But they were both shy and just stood around looking at each other. Um, so Yoko sent John a signed copy of Grapefruit, which had all kinds of instructions, like I said, um, and, you know, other things such as, put your shadows together until they become one. She then conceived a 13-day do-it-yourself dance festival that took place in your mind. Okay. <laughs> So every day, John received an instruction to do something, and he said that uh, they made him either upset or happy, depending, and that sometimes he would really like it, and sometimes he wouldn't.
3: Interesting. And at all this time, John is still with Cynthia. I remember Cynthia talking about
2: how he would receive a lot of notes from her yeah. and
3: things like that. And
2: Yoko was starting to make herself present in yes. his life. Yeah. Such as when she sent him a postcard when he was in India that said, watch for me. I'm a cloud in the sky. Yes. I think uh, I think that's the one that Cynthia mentions seeing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So when he returned from India, one of the first things he did was call Yoko, even though he was still with Cynthia. And he just thought that it's now or never. It's time to get to know her now. Mm-hmm. So Yoko went over to John's house and he played her all of his tapes. They ended up on their first date making an album together. Improvisational, no planning. They released it at the end of 1968 and it was called Unfinished Music Number 1, Two Virgins. And I really like the name of this album and I'll get into it a little bit more of what I think that the album title means mm-hmm. based on how their relationship ended up progressing and what they ended up doing for each other. John describes this night of uh, hanging out with Yoko in a book by Pete Shotton called John Lennon, In My Life. And he said to this guy, Pete, I haven't been to sleep. I was up all night with Yoko. It was great, Pete. He then asked his friend to find him a new house because he wanted to live in it with Yoko, to which Pete asked, just like that? Yeah, just like that. Just like that. This is it, Pete. This is what I've been waiting for all my life. Fuck everything else. Fuck the Beatles. Fuck me money. Fuck all the rest of it. I'll go and live with her in a fucking tent if I have to. I can hardly bear to be away from her for a single moment. Wow. He's just smitten. Head so, over heels. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Between May 1968 and October 1973, they rarely spent a day apart besides the 18-month um, period that John was With away from May Yoko. hmm Yeah. So John said, I always had a fantasy about a woman who would be beautiful, intelligent, dark-haired, high-cheekboned, free-spirited artist a la Juliette Greco. John wrote in his posthumously published book, Skywriting by Word of Mouth, my soulmate, someone that I had already known, but somehow had lost. After a short visit to India on my way home from Australia... The image changed slightly. She had dark eyes and was oriental. Naturally, the dream couldn't come true until I had completed the picture. Now it was complete. Hmm. John characterized their union as two minds, one destiny. And to publicly celebrate this, they accepted an invitation to participate in the first national sculpture exhibition. They created a white wrought iron circular garden bench under which two acorns were to be planted in two white plastic pots on an east-west axis, symbolizing John and Yoko's embrace of their two respective cultures, their hopes for peace and their love for each other. It was titled Yoko by John, John by Yoko. And the exhibition catalog, uh, he explained that this is what happens when two clouds meet. Mm -hmm. Um, But the acorns couldn't be planted because it was on church ground and they were not married. Um, so they didn't exactly, it didn't fit in, you know, which is kind of like a metaphor for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, for they sure. weren't totally accepted for a variety of reasons. Um, so the Acorns found an adoptive home a short distance away, but they ended up getting stolen by Beatles fans. Aww. Come on. Yeah. It was at this time that the Beatles were recording Abbey Road. Patty and Yoko both contributed to the song Birthday. They uh, both contributed the hand claps. Mm-hmm. And that was like the first time that they were like with Yoko in the studio together. Um, Apple also released John and Yoko's album in 1968, which uh, faced public outrage because that was the album cover where they were both standing naked. John originally just wanted to be Yoko standing naked. And he was like, I can't just put her out there. Like I've got to be there with her. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And so he took it with um, a Nikon self timer. Um, and many stores sold it in plastic bags with their faces showing only. So it's kind of like the relationship. He meant it to be pure and truthful, and it ended up turning to this huge outrage. So John had said about it, we're all naked, really. When people attack Yoko and me, we know they're paranoiac. We don't really worry too much. The thing is, the album also says, look, lay off, will you? It's just two people. What have we done?
3: Mm. Yeah, I feel bad for them. They must have, I mean, it's hard not to let, things like that get to you you know even the strongest people have their moments yeah at least they had each other
1: Mm
2: -hmm. they sure did Hmm. so he said that once they started being more natural in public they really got a knock-in um but anyways she was the one that introduced john to andy warhol and says that andy was one of the most sensitive people she'd ever met and they would often go to dinner together um, one thing that they did together around this time as well was a film called Smile, which was taken with a high speed camera and shows a close up of their face smiling for 41 minutes in slow motion of it. John explains, Yoka and I think that if everyone is sending out happiness to agree here and there or nonviolent or non-hateful vibrations, they're bound to counteract some kind, some of the hate, even if you're doing it in a room like a yogi. And I believe you can't. Hmm. Yeah. All of um, Yoko. Oh yeah. So during the interviews that Jonathan Cott would do with uh, John Lennon, a lot of the times Yoko would be the one to come in and remind John that he had time to go do something, record something, or be somewhere. So she really started to kind of help him, kind of uh, like a manage his thing. Whole life as well. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, with the White Album that was released in November of 1968, I think it's a pretty good example of how the Beatles had turned into a one-for-one one and none-for-all, mm-hmm. which is what they called it. Um, each song on that album was an individual song besides the song Birthday, which they got together quickly to do. Um, it was George and the band, John in the band, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, a good way of putting it is when John says, the old gang of mine was over the moment I met Yoko. So... Yeah, You know, there you go. I didn't consciously know it at the time, but that's what was going on. As soon as I met her, that was the end of the boys. But it so happened that the boys were all well known and weren't just the local guys at the bar. So it's like, yeah, man, like if you have brothers or something or like a best friend, that's yeah. a dude. What happens when he gets a girlfriend, you know? It's yeah. not... It's And
3: again, they were already having their issues within the band. They were already, you know... If anything, it was finding Yoko that kind of gave him the kick he needed to do what he was going to do anyway. You know, it might have just taken him longer.
2: Yeah, they'd been breaking up for a while. Everyone had tried to leave at one point or another. And yeah, the death of Brian Epstein took a huge toll on the band. He was the fifth member. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was on, uh, during one of the Let It Be rehearsals, Paul reminded John and George that since his death, they had become disengaged from their music music and each other.
3: Hmm.
2: Yeah, so the Beatles played their final performance on the rooftop on September 20th, 1969. John disbanded the Beatles once and for all. He said, I started the band. I disbanded it. Simple as that. The other Beatles did not publicly confirm this until December 31st, 1970, and Paul filed a a lawsuit in order to dissolve the group. Hmm. In 1969, John, with Yoko's help, started to release a lot of his burdens, both from their divorce. Both of their divorces went through, and John wrote a song called Julia, which is, uh, I like the way that the author of the book describes it, a haunting solo track, which mixes imagery of a woman and mother and lover interlaced in his memory. Mm Mm-hmm. When John and Yoko were married on March 20th, 1969, Yoko took John's name and John ditched his middle name Winston for John Ono Lennon instead. Awesome. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting way of releasing his mother who had probably given him the name. For sure. Um or his father even and then taking on the one of this woman who was really helping him develop. Yeah. into this identity.
3: Yeah. I hate it when women just take the name and throw away their own and Yeah. I mean, if that's what you want, that's fine. But Mm -hmm.
2: that doesn't work for everyone. Mm -hmm. Five days after they got married, they decided to have their first bed in for peace in the Netherlands at the Amsterdam, Amsterdam Hilton. John declared, We're staying in bed for a week to register our protest against all of the suffering and violence in the world. Can you think of a better way to spend seven days? It's the best idea we've had yet. And so, you know...
3: I can imagine how upset reporters were when, like, they get this invitation to go to bed with John and Yoko, and then they get there, and it's well, just... they are going to, like, hanging watch out them have sex? In pajamas,
2: I bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, their earliest memories, like, and their innermost beings had been imprinted by the wars, so, of course, like... Yeah, they important. really lived like, through it. Shit, they, man.
3: Yeah, they knew the damage it caused.
2: Oh, Speaking of birthdays, October 9th, Mm -hmm. it's also my grandmother's birthday today. Oh. Yeah. Isn't that nice?
3: Happy birthday. Happy
2: birthday, Nanny. I'm going to read this part about uh, their bed-in. Go for it. With their bed-in, a work of performance art specifically inspired by Yoko's instruction pieces, John and Yoko practiced what they preached. We're selling peace at whatever the cost, John declared to journalists at the time. Yoko and I are just one big advertising campaign. We were all Christ and we were all Hitler. We want Christ to win. We're trying to make Christ's message contemporary. What would he have done if he had advertisements, records, films, TV, and newspapers? Christ made miracles to tell his message. Well, the miracle today is communication, so let's use it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, in the ballad of John and Yoko, the newspaper said, "Say what you're doing in bed." I said, "We're only trying to get us some peace." Mm-hmm. Um, I think that song ended up getting banned in some places because they took it as "We're only trying to get us a peace. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine different, different That's, story. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Two months later, John and Yoko repeated their bed-in, but this time in Montreal. Mm -hmm. Um, To get a really detailed and awesome account of this, you can read the book, Christ, You Know It Ain't Easy. John and Yoko's Battle for Peace by Richie York, who calls himself a friend, historian, and music journalist. Mm -hmm. So John explained in his book that their peace efforts were in the tradition of Gandhi, but with a sense of humor. I, um, I...
3: spent a night hanging out with ronnie hawkins once and he was telling me stories about john and yoko and the lovin specifically and <laughs> just how crazy they all were back then amazing yeah
2: so look at the cover of this john lennon christ you know it ain't easy john Yoko with battle for peace it's like he, john as christ yeah he's him as christ and he's yeah. being crucified so it's just interesting man to think about I'm not going to get into it. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> I'm going to leave it hanging there for other people to make their own connections. Um, another thing in this book here, the Christy you know, Nooranezi, is um, they talk a lot about the Lenin and Ono connection to Canada mm-hmm. and uh, the conversations that they had with um, Pierre Trudeau. And how they actually liked him as a prime minister and as a world leader. Mm -hmm. And he was definitely one of the leaders that uh, planted the acorns Mm -hmm. that were sent to him. And um, some other uh, world leaders planted them, but not many of them did. I see. Yeah. So... john eventually like of course he grew out of the beatles and into himself as he grew out of liverpool to london Mm -hmm. and then growing out of london to new york which is where he said he always felt like he belonged and he thinks like you know he felt like he should have grown up in greenwich village that's me i know (laughs) i put that in there for you So just like you, Lynx, John and Yoko had a love affair with New York, and he was falling in love, deeper in love with this woman and with this place, and she brought him around. She showed him her old haunts and brought him into the nooks and crannies, showing him the city through her eyes. Amazing. Um, John did a press conference with Yoko in 1971, and he said, In England, I'm regarded as the lucky guy who won the pools. Yoko is regarded as the lucky Jap who married the guy who won the pools. In America, we're treated as artists. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he could get haircuts in New York. They, the couple have been seen or had been seen riding bikes around, and no one really bothered them. Yeah. Um, so along with their bed-ins, they also attended demonstrations in Syracuse on behalf of the Native American Onondaga tribes, and they were really involved with political activists, writers, musicians, photographers, who were doing political protests. Um, and so that was a threat it was seen as a oh, yes. threat in yep. the United States. And so the FBI had surveillance mm-hmm. um, on them and they had their phones tapped.
3: Yeah. It's crazy to see the list of all the people that the FBI kept tabs on back then. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So around this time, John and Yoko made a film called Up Your Legs Forever, where they had everyone take their clothes off, but leave on their underwear and film their legs because they said, we can't have peace until we expose ourselves to each other. Mm -hmm. After you communicate like that, then maybe we can have peace. When people look at the legs, they'll see that there's no difference between famous and not so famous legs, intellectual legs. When it comes to legs, titles or armor or power or money are of no importance because we're all just very modest beings. We all have pretty ordinary legs, men and women, old and young, just human legs, and human legs are very peaceful.
3: I think Sarinda Fox might have been one of the legs. I know she did. Um, she worked on a piece with them that was like a body part. Yeah. So I think it might have been that, so that one. That was
2: Yoko there saying that legs are very peaceful. So it just makes me like a probably Instagram story, my leg later. And, my legs <laughs> and just say, le- legs are very peaceful. Um, uh, not your poor not knee, though. Not right <laughs> now. That's a not a peaceful knee. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a bruise on it. Everybody send links some good healing vibes yes, for her please. bruised knee. <laughs> So she can get some peaceful knees. Uh. On December 11th, they released their two debut solo albums entitled John Lennon, Plastic Ono Band and Yoko Ono, Plastic Ono Band. Mm -hmm. So they share matching album covers. Um, The photo is them lying under a tree, which has just got this pale green light around them. It's beautiful and serene. Um And on each other's albums, the their positions are reversed. So it's really beautiful. And I mean, what else would you want to do with a lover? Mm-hmm. Just lay under a tree and look up at the clouds. It's, exactly. Do it. Do it. And if you don't have a lover to do that with, you do it with yourself. Yes. hmm. Even during Yoko's separation with John, she wouldn't take him back because she wanted to make sure that she was okay on her own without yes. him. And she continued to make her art. And... Yeah. Wow, during that time.
3: And he was like begging to come home and yeah. stuff. And she yeah. was like, No, I need my time.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um I can talk about the separation. Um, they were celebrating their fourth anniversary and it was in 1973 that Yoko kicked John out because of a sexual indiscretion. Now, the sexual indiscretion took place at a party after Nixon <laughs> oh, God. had been reelected into the White House. And so John was super fucked up. Was and was like, apparently, screw this. Yeah, goodness. he just like grabbed a woman kind of and went into another room and like guests of this party could hear them having sex, no. including Yoko. That is so... Mm. Terrible, yeah. So, um, she kicked him out and sent him to Los Angeles, and um, he was like, "Well, w- like w- what?" So, <laughs> they ended up deciding together that May Peng, who worked as their assistant, would to were- would accompany him, yes, on this journey. So, she publicly became, and they didn't tell her specifically, "You're going with him so that you can have sex with him, <laughs> and so he can da da da," but. that's what happened happened. and like they both curated it so it would happen that way and it did and um, I guess if your husband's gonna cheat you can choose who he's gonna cheat with Mm -hmm. that was a little better than 18 month lost weekend where he'd call her over and over again can I come home no can I come home yet no and he was hanging out with Harry Nilsson and Keith Moon and just like I can imagine how crazy that period must have been mm mm-hmm yeah so she forgave him though she did yeah yeah actually it's a pretty funny story about like elton john bringing them back together really? um when elton had asked john to play at one of his shows and yoko was in the audience but didn't tell john that in backstage after oh yeah um so i'm gonna talk a little bit about how they engaged in primal therapy together to really get some of the like gunk out of their system mm-hmm. um the the primal therapy was a way of kind of breaking down them like breaking them down so that they could look into the mirror of their soul um and yeah i guess um,
3: you, <laughs> what is primal therapy okay. is that like when people scream and things
2: yeah yeah pretty much um so there was this California psychotherapist named Arthur Yanov um, who was in, was interested in the book or sorry, like in, interested in the primal scream. Mm-hmm. And actually it was a book. John passed the book over to Yoko And um, they said something rang a lot of bells. The book described a novel therapeutic technique that Yanov called primal therapy, which involved a patient re-experiencing repressed childhood pain and traumas through emotional and cathartic outbursts called primals. Hmm. Yeah, so the, uh, the psychotherapist said he, about John, he was just one big ball of pain. This was someone the whole world adored, and it didn't change a thing. At the center of all that fame and wealth and adulation was just a lonely little kid. And then John would later say that, like most people, his ability to feel had been switched off, and that primal therapy had provided him with the means to switch back into being a baby and to re-experience the world like a child. The thing, in a nutshell, John declared, is that primal therapy allowed us to feel, feel, continually and those feelings usually make you cry that's all mm. so a really good example of this in a song is the song mother
3: yeah that song always makes me cry yeah because Ugh, he's he's you, you hear it crying like a child yeah. in a, like a like a child who wants their parents yeah anyone who listens to that and doesn't get emotional like mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. how how that's possible
2: yeah And so, obviously, you know it. um, It helped Yoko as well. So Yoko, in her um, on the Yoko Ono Plastic Ono band, you know, had some shattering vocal pieces. She didn't want it to be pretty. The songs include "Why," "Touch Me," "Paper Shoes." and she's described, Dave Marsh, a, a critic, described her as the first rock cat singer. So, to the astonishment of many of Yoko's one-time detractors, this is Jonathan Cott speaking, Yoko Ono, Plastic Ono Band, has proved to be an abiding influence on punk, new wave, no wave, noise rock, and electronic musicians throughout the world.
3: Yeah, for sure. yeah Yoko! She was definitely, like, a, a punk rock mm-hmm kind of singer I mean Mm -hmm. she really belted it out
2: they played her album on a radio program the entire thing and um this radio DJ called Alex Bennett had said it's not like anything you've ever heard before there are people who are going to love it and people who are going to hate it but I think that in 1980 music will probably sound like this Hmm. so some people kind of called in or wrote in I dig it some people said it's scaring me yeah (laughs) yeah I like Yoko's uh like woman power song Woman power. She's amazing. Yeah. When, um oh yeah, okay, so we'll talk about the birth of Sean in 1975. The couple took a five-year break undertaking what they had called the spring cleaning of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, they had tried to have a baby for a while. Yoko had some miscarriages and even gave birth to a stillborn child. Oh no. She had a kid before as well, right? She has another, yeah, she had a daughter yeah. um, with a previous uh, with one with of her, her previous husbands. Husband? Yeah. Um, And yeah, of course, you know, John had Julian. But the daughter um, was not in her life. Yeah, she was there. Really? Often. Like, there are pictures of, yeah, with John and her daughter, but I can't remember the name of her daughter off the top of my head. But I thought her daughter was taken away from her. I don't know. Oh, shit, I don't know. Why would her daughter be taken away from her?
3: I thought her husband... um. When they divorced, mm-hmm. he, he went. He purposely made sure that Yoko couldn't contact her daughter.
2: Oh, okay, that slipped by me. I'm Thank not you. sure. Okay, now mm-hmm. I, th- no. I thought maybe you would know. Oh no, sorry guys, I fucked up. Um, when they had this baby, John took up yoga with the gray-haired lady on TV and kind of became the house husband, priding himself on being able to make bread. yeah um David Bowie was actually an important person in Sean Lennon's life and just like another great reason to go follow Yoko on social media is because she lets you into these kind of little stories where she said that when John and Um, that John and David respected each other. They were well-matched in intellect and talent. As John and I had very few friends, we felt David was close as family. After John died, David was always there for Sean and me. When Sean was at boarding school in Switzerland, David would pick him up and take him on uh, trips to museums and let Sean hang out at his recording studio in Geneva. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. um they released double fantasy in 1980 and they had previously told their fans in 1979 so they had kind of broke their five year of no work yeah well um they they wrote to their fans in 1979 a letter uh entitled a love letter from john and yoko to people who ask us what when and why They say, remember, our silence is a silence of love and not indifference. Remember, we are writing in the sky instead of on paper. That's our song. Lift your eyes and look up in the sky and you will see that you are walking in the sky, which extends to the ground. We're all a part of the sky more than of the ground. So Double Fantasy was created over the telephone when John was traveling with Sean and John and Yoko were both writing songs for each other um, and it was the first recording they had made in five years. So for example, like to talk about this cosmic connection that they had they had this song um, John called her and said, I've written this song called Beautiful Boy and Yoko said, oh well I've written a song called Beautiful Boys So both of the songs are on Double Amazing. Fantasy. Cool. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah um he said that it was a contemplation for five years and then three weeks of writing and in terms of collaborating they again called this work together a resurrection and i think we can go back to the album um two virgins because it was almost like when they met each other they were born again yes i gotcha in many ways. Mm-hmm. So I think that even that album title was kind of prolific of how their relationship were to continue with each other. <sighs> yeah. John says that he collaborated with other people, other people before, like Elton John or David Bowie. But other than that, the only real person he ever chose as a collaborator, as a collaborator was Paul McCartney because it was Paul who brought George and George who brought Ringo. Um, so he says, Paul McCartney and Yoko Ono Ain't bad pickin'. Mm-mm. Um yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So continuing on the theme of women and motherhood. On the song, on John's song Mother, there's a death bell at the beginning. And then at the beginning of just like starting over, there's a wishing bell of Yokos. So this is a nice connection between how John was able to evolve and move through his trauma mm-hmm. from the death bell to the sweet bell. I see. Like a, a moving on, a yes. starting over, a resurrection. He's a li- yeah, lightness. He says that to him when he calls Yoko mother, it's because they have a child and that it's natural for parents to refer to each other and mummy as mummy and daddy, but also she is mother superior. She is mother earth. She's the mother of my child. She's my mother. She's my daughter. The relationship goes through many levels. Mm-hmm. And John says... It's just handy to fuck your best friend. That's all. (laughs) That's what it is. And once I resolved the fact that it was a woman as well, it was all right. Because I never really had any woman friends before. We go through the trauma of life and death together every day. So it's not so much of a worry what sex we are anymore. You know, I now understand the difference between sex and wanting me mother, which is a big trip promiscuity in a nutshell is wanting your mother wanting all the mummies in the world want 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 i'm not living with a woman who i just lay and who's only got a pretty face i'm living with an artist who's sparking me and inspiring me night and day to work
3: yes artist and muse and inspiration yep yes um and yeah yoko really like with with this relationship, she kind of gave up her artist career in this, in the sense of like respect, like the minute she got with John, a lot of people kind of forgot the fact that she was an established artist like before him. And, um, there are always going to be people who, who write her off simply because of that
2: fact even
3: without you know giving her art a chance
2: yeah Uh. um again and if you want to kind of get an overview overview of this artistic career yes yoko ono i think would be kind of a good thing to look into Mm -hmm.
3: i got to see a, a an exhibit of hers at moma like a few years back and it was really awesome
2: and she sent you something in the mail.
3: Yeah, I have um, a postcard. It actually says a piece of sky on it. So, and uh, yeah, she signed it, and uh, I wrote her this gushing letter when I was a kid, and she wrote back, which was so sweet of
2: her. (laughs) I'll post it. Amazing. Okay, but as we know, even it's like still hard to say, John Lennon was shot and killed on December eighth, nineteen eighty. Yes. Just the other day, Yoko put up online that over 1,186,000 people have been killed by guns in the USA since John Lennon was killed. She captioned it with, An average of 31,537 people are killed by guns in USA every year. We are turning this beautiful country into a war zone together let's bring back america the green land of peace the death of a loved one is a hollowing experience after 36 years our son sean and i still miss him Mm -hmm. absolutely everyone misses him Mm -hmm. but yoko continues to move on and love her life and find beauty And she's always growing, always learning new things. Um, She says that her healing powers come out when you constantly clean yourself and you must clean your mind. In order to survive, you have to keep giving, giving, giving. Mm -hmm. And looking back on her book, Grapefruit, the author reapplied that it is instructions to live, feel, listen, see, touch, think. Find, give, stay, remember, imagine, hmm. and it's really nice. That the author Jonathan caught. I like that he sa- what he said, and it's that when John sang "Give Peace a Chance," the author says so. John, John revealed him to be one of Yoko's most accomplished students. Mm. so and that's what john had said about yoko yeah i have become the pupil and she the teacher yep and so just you know leave it with yoko said within you just feel the beauty of everything you have to feel it and that feeling is the world and all of us mm-hmm. we're all going to save the world together amazing
3: And her Twitter is basically like another piece of art. Yep. Because everything she posts is just so insightful and thought-provoking and wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Still, Still learning. She's teaching the masses now. Yeah. We're all Yoko's pupils. We are. Yes. Well, that was great. I think you did her well
2: do you think so yeah i was gonna you know bring more of the richie york book in and more of the but it's just like there's so so much much. yeah she's just so incredible and i really thought that days that i'll remember was such a good Mm -hmm. all in one place yeah and for people hopefully
3: those who aren't so well versed in her work will want to check out some of her pieces now and See what she's all about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's it for this week. Yay. Oh, We've got some good things coming up. So thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us online at Muses and Stuff, on Twitter at Shanti and Links, Instagram at Muses and Stuff Podcast, Facebook, same thing.
3: Yes. I'm
2: very excited for our fall
3: fall guests and the lineup and got some good things coming your way.
2: That's right. Okay, everybody. See you later. Bye. Bye.
1: wait the excitement doesn't end there as we bid farewell to season one we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two get ready for more gripping narratives more unforgettable characters and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat we have some big surprises coming the force will definitely be with you so stay tuned stay engaged and most importantly stay excited from all of us at the table read podcast thank you and let's make season two even more memorable together